side of the field but here we are worshiping the Lamb of God I think we can raise our voices to give him worship and praise says at ground level and not up to the sky, Father. And I just would encourage you when the surrounding things come around you and call your attention. I remember in the Old Testament, King Jehoshaphat had an army bearing at all sides of him and the numbers weren't on his side at all. And the pressure was coming in and I'm sure there was death in the air. But he chose to kneel down and look up to the sky and said, my, my eyes are on you, Lord. My eyes are on you. So what you're going through right now may just only be a season. A season. And God is with you in that season. But continually worship him. And worthy are you, Lamb. Worthy, worthy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Father. Worship you. We 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 worship you. Yeah, please be seated. Uh, D2L and Jumpstart, you are dismissed. 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 Again, thank you, worship team. Thank you, Verda, for today as well. Uh, just a few continuing announcements that I want to mention before we dive into a message. But welcome. Happy Sunday. So nice to see everybody in the house today and those online as well too. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, as Verda had mentioned, we are having a water baptism on February 26th. <laughs> if you haven't been water baptized yet, I would highly encourage you. You will get wet, but the symbolism is far beyond what you will get wet over. So I would encourage you, sign up, uh, I think, at our Welcome Center online or in the app, Water Baptism. We're going to make a whole service about it like we have been doing in the past. And uh, 
If you have already been water baptized and you find it more convenient to watch it at home online, sorry, online people just that are there now, still come out. Be a part of our church community and family just to celebrate those moments of who's getting water baptized because it is a, a celebration for us all when even one individual gets water baptized. So we'd encourage you. Uh, another thing was uh, we had a Valentine's dinner uh, scheduled last Friday that didn't happen. We just rescheduled it because we had so much going on. Uh, so we are rescheduling a uh, dinner. It can't be Valentine's Day, but it is a dinner on March 31st. We'll still have barbecue and a great time of some entertainment and fun just being together and connecting. So couples, you still need to be couples or engaged uh, couples. You can come out on March 31st. More intel will come out and registration will open up soon. Uh, I wanted to also talk about something that you have been a part of and are continuing to be a part of today, I believe. So yesterday, our community connections team, they visited a, uh, they found uh, through some leads, they found a, a tent camp of homeless people uh, in Fall River, about 18 or 20 of them there. So we were, they were able to distribute care packages that many of you donated to and they benefited. And we want to thank the people that came out to do that, to distribute them. And we're able to pray with them as well, too. So that, that was exciting. That was exciting. All right. We haven't visited homeless tent camps yet at FCC, and we just did yesterday. So that's exciting to continue to reach uh, beyond the parking lot uh, and get into these communities. And they were blessed, and it'll be helpful to that as well. Another thing that happened this weekend as we were able to, uh, we were, had a lead that uh, a family uh, had a house burned down. They're, they're, it was an elderly, elderly couple in their 70s, and they lost three dogs. The house is gone. Everything is gone. Uh, well, we were able to on Friday, Friday, yep, Friday, we were, we were able to deliver some furniture to an assisted living where they're going to be moving into the, later this week. Uh, and bless them. So my, myself, Jen, and Kevin, and a few others from the Community Connection team went out and did that on Friday. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't Christians yet, but we blessed them. And the heads were scratching, like, why are you doing this? You know, but we were trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus there, and we did that. Uh, but you're a part of that. Your finances and giving to us and in that Community Connection team allows us to step beyond the parking lot and reach our Jerusalem and our areas uh, with the love of Christ through action too. So thank you very much. Thank you for being a part of that. Um, as Verda mentioned too, Children Grow is uh, has a uh, an open house immediately after service. Whether you have children in Children Grow, we would encourage you still to go see what they're doing in there. I know we talked last week about some new curriculum uh, as well and we wanted to show one of the videos of that curriculum. We really wanted to show you the in-depth of this curriculum that, again, that we invested into. So we're just going to show a very quick video, and then we are going to dive into our message. So could you run that video? Again, this is a Children Grow video that they get on a Sunday. The walls around Jerusalem were finished at last. With God's help, the people finished rebuilding the walls and the city gates in just 52 days. Ezra a priest and scribe, had traveled from Babylon to Jerusalem with a group of God's people. God was with Ezra, and Ezra wanted to study God's law, obey it, and teach it to God's people. Ezra met with some of the people of Israel. 
He learned that some of the people and their leaders had disobeyed God, ignoring his word. Ezra tore his clothes, and he pulled out some of his hair. He sat down and was very upset. Ezra got on his knees and he prayed to God, confessing the people's sin. As he did this, God's people began to gather around him. They cried too and offered sacrifices, promising to be faithful to God. Several years later, the people in Jerusalem gathered together early in the morning at one of Jerusalem's gates. Men, women, and children, anyone who could understand, came to listen to the reading of God's word. As the sun was just coming up, Ezra brought out the book of the law of Moses that God had given to his people. God's words were written on a scroll. Ezra stood on a high wooden platform and began to read. Ezra read the law for hours, and all the people listened carefully. The people stood up. They had respect for God's word. Ezra praised God, and the people lifted up their hands. Amen! Amen! they said. The people in the crowd bowed down with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped God. Some of the leaders there, the Levites, explained the law to the people and helped them understand the words Ezra read. As the people heard the words of the law, they began to cry. The law was God's rules for living, and the people had disobeyed God. They realized they had sinned. Ezra, the Levites, and Nehemiah, the governor, said, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not be sad or cry. Even though the people's sin made them sad, this was a happy day. Then Ezra said to them, Go home and prepare a feast. Eat rich food and drink sweet drinks. Share what you have prepared with those who have nothing prepared. The people obeyed Ezra. They prepared a feast. They were glad because they understood the words of the law that were explained to them. God's word is powerful. When Ezra read God's word, the people loved God more and changed their ways. The Bible says that Jesus is the word. Jesus is God who came to live with people on earth. Jesus has the power to change our hearts. Amen. Amen. It's interesting I didn't see that ahead of time, but we're going to talk a little bit about that too. So those are the little thing beyond dimensions of a simple puppet show that uh, our kids are learning and they are our future, right? As we continue to invest into them. And that was just one lesson about Ezra and the word and the law and the life of Jesus that we have in us too. All right. Well, we're going to dive in. We're going inter- to finish up, I hope and believe, uh, what we started last week. Uh, the title was Life for Eternity. Probably one of the most important subjects as a believer or Christian or Christ follower, however you want to call yourself, uh, because it deals with what we're all going to experience sooner or later. Eternity, right? Whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to experience eternity. The anchor idea of this message, and I just want to review a little bit, see if I can articulate it, was we want to lessen our lean daily on the things that are so temporary in our life and begin to focus on things that have a greater value in our life that are eternal 
and value. What does that mean? Simply every day, and I can predict tomorrow being Monday, especially if we're going to work or whatever, there's going to be things warranting your attention. Whether it's an ache in your body, a bill you finally open while you're eating your Wheaties, anything. Life is going to come at you and, and cause you to focus your attention on something. But the reality that we're learning and we know and need to be reminded is that most of those things we care so much about or focus so much and take our energy and, and worry about are just temporary in the long run. Not that they're not important. They're just temporary when we, when we weigh them against eternal things. If we remember last week, we ran a rope from one side to the other. Bruce helped me do that. I never thanked you yesterday, your last Sunday. So thanks for that, holding that up so long there. But we had a rope, one into the other, and I was able to put a marker, a red marker, at the end, a little piece, maybe under a half an inch on that end of that rope. And we said that red marker represents your life, and this is eternity. Just a small scale from wall to wall, but it gives a good depiction visually. How long? Eternity is a place that is timeless, that is forever. And it's hard for us because we're chained to time to even compute some of that. It is a spiritual realm, not physical. And eternity was separated when Adam and Eve sinned. So the separation is, we probably learned this in Sunday school, right? Heaven and hell. So heaven is where our trinity, where our, where our God is and where Jesus is. I know this is basic stuff, but let's, build the, let's solidify the foundation here. Yes. Hell is simply not where God is and where Satan will exist. And if we don't put value on eternal things, we may end up where God is not at some point. It's sobering. This is not a jump around message. It will by the end, I promise you. We'll get there. But it's something we need to think of. Temporary things are when you don't have your french fries in the bag. Remember that? You go around in the drive-thru. It seems simple, but I bet you guys it's, it can happen easily when we are not eternally minded. And you drive away from the drive-thru and the fries are not in the bag. Your sandwich is there. Your 42-ounce Coke is there. And yet you want to drive around temporary things and yell at that person why they forgot the fries. Imagine if that person just went to church for the very first time last week, and as you roll your window down to yell at them, you got Danny Gokey bumping, love God, love people. Eternal things. All the energy, the worries. And it's not French fries. It could be other things that, you're not, that are missing in your bag in life that you think you should have. All right, we talked about humanity. Even as Christ followers, it's okay to recognize you are human, right? Humanity was designed by God, and He knew it had limits to it. 
The problem is, when Adam and Eve wanted to become limitless and listening to the leverage that that serpent was telling them, that they could be beyond their limits and know more than God, and we're still trying to do it today, that we're beyond our limits because that pushes off eternity more. We don't have to think about it. Or you can be at the other spectrum in your humanity that I'm just a victim to everything because I have limits. And one or the other, you're missing the focus that is eternity waiting for you. As a Christ follower, we should know when our limits end, God begins, right? That's what He has designed. He needs us to need Him. Not in a slavery way, but in a desirable will-to-will way that was just His perfect design. And then we learn further that we're going to read from in a minute our anchored scriptures in John 17, that when Jesus left, he gave us purpose. Purpose wasn't to be creating social clubs, bless me clubs, whatever clubs. It was to do what he did when he was on this planet. Those are challenging thoughts. But they're from a loving God. I had asked you nicely (laughs) to read John 17 between last Sunday and this Sunday. Raise, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I want to, again, this is our anchored series of scriptures. I want to read John 17. I don't want it up on the screen. I'd rather you just close your eyes. Don't keep them closed too long, but close your eyes. Just meditate, absorb this chapter because this is, as we said last week, I believe, this is one of the most important prayers that our Savior and King prayed before leaving this earth, right? I mean, I'm I'm working with New Living Translation, but it's John 17. There's just so much in here. I'll try not to comment along the way because I want to comment... Bring commentary later. So, so you have, it's the Last Supper, we know that. Uh, you just did, had communion. He's saying, you know, remember me, here are the elements. He's talking about a new covenant that the disciples are trying to understand. And then you have Judas will leave. Well, what's going on? He just portrayed, wait, we let him handle the money. You know, it's all this stuff going on in this room But Jesus brings the focus back to this room because it's his last time, as I mentioned, collectively these disciples are going to really hear Jesus and what he has to say. And he goes into prayer. He goes into prayer. And this has everything to do with eternal life, what we're going to hear and our purpose and even more catalysts that we're going to talk about in a second that come out of this. Hmm. So just imagine, he's sitting there and he puts his head back, Jesus, and says... Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so you can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everything. He gives eternal life to each one who have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and to Jesus Christ, the only the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you, Jesus said, here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do so. Now, Father, bring me into the glory 
we share before the world began. I have revealed you, Father, to the ones you gave from me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and they know it that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world. He was splitting hairs there. But for those who have given me, you have given me, excuse me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world. But I am coming to you. Holy Father, you can give me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we were. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one that headed for destruction, meaning Judas. Now I am coming to you, Father. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they will be filled with my joy. Some of us have to remember that. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Good reminder as well. Just as I do not belong to the world, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world and any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And then I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but all for those who will come ever believing in my name and message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them glory you gave me. So he's empowered us. So they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in them. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I'll knock some religious theology off. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. And he comes to land the plane here. O righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. So there's something to do. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen. There's two things happening here that sound repetitive. But sometimes as humans we need to hear repetitive things. 
There are two catalysts going on here when Jesus is talking to his father. There's a catalyst, and we sang about this earlier, there's a catalyst that he is glorifying his father. As we talk about eternal things, one of the catalysts that brings us into eternal things and experiencing eternal things in our life is when we begin to glorify the father. Nothing more, nothing less, glorify him. And in that, because we have a Lord and King, we are to glorify Jesus in all we do. Amen? See, when you glorify something, God and Jesus, it's in their nature to reflect that back on the person who's glorifying them. We were designed to glorify God and certainly Jesus our King. Unfortunately, the world knows about this word glorify because in their humanity, they glorify everything but our God and Jesus. Later today, and again, I'm watching the game too, but... The glorification of a ball going from one side to the other side of the field and the people doing that, we glorify that. And even a sadder glorification is halftime usually. That's glorification. You may do things daily that you don't realize that you're glorifying. Whatever you glorify creates you into a unity with it. Because the second catalyst, as you see in this prayer, is Jesus is now bringing unity to his Father and bringing his disciples in through that unity as well. And that can only happen when we glorify something greater than ourselves. So the world is great at glorifying their talents, their things, their degrees which is important, but they're not eternal things. So be careful, Christ followers, what you're glorifying. Entertainment industry makes billions out of this. What can I take your attention and glorify it for a certain period of time in two hours? Is it violence? Is it sexualization? It says in the Bible, as you know too, the the eyes are the windows to our souls. So what are you looking at that becomes slowly glorified? Yes, you may not be on your knees worshiping like you would a God or Jesus, but you're still giving attention to and glorifying it. Sobering, careful. So as a church, if we don't glorify God and Jesus, I beg to say, do we really come into unity with each other at some point? Those two catalysts will help us experience more eternal things in our life as we're on planet Earth. Glorifying God and Jesus, our King, and accepting the unity and walking in the unity that comes from that. Jesus was very specific at the end. Let them love one another as I have loved them. It's, it's where everything is, unity. Unity. 
Because in that is where the power of God can work. The Holy Spirit is waiting many times to do things. But the door isn't open sometimes until unity's knob is turned to open it. Does that make sense at all? Am I just... Yeah. So, to move on, there are some avenues, I'm titling, that how we can experience more eternal things in our life here. One is not new, but it's underrated. One avenue how we can begin to experience eternal things while we are still on planet Earth is understanding the good news. Oh boy, this evangelistic message. No. The good news. See, we live in a society and the life lanes that we drive in that, that we tend to, with all the technology, that we can get information overload at times, right? Too much coming out of us, too much time to digest. And what the enemy loves that because then what that does, it begins to dilute certain word values of things that are important. So just the obvious is love. When I say I love you with the love of the Lord right now, which I do, that's a little different love value than I just got my Grammy Award and I love you guys, you are great. I love you. Well, you don't even know me. I mean, there's no unity, no bond. What, that's a cheap word for that. So we begin to water dilute words down. And the word good has been watered down. So when I come to a talk about or meditate on the good news in my life first and how it got me to an altar or has me living a Christ-following life that is a journey and growth every day, we don't arrive... I need to hold on that there was good news that activated that. And the good news of what Christ did on that cross, after that prayer in John 17, went to the cross, was resurrected, kicked death's butt at the grave, and where we can live eternity with our Heavenly Father and Jesus. That's good news on a rainy day. It's very good news. And even better, the only thing it costs you is your life. I didn't hear any amens there. It does. Because when you want to not be beyond a Christian, when you want to become a Christ follower, you have to die to yourself. It's a journey. Take up the cross. Because it ain't about you anymore. But that's okay. When it ain't about me, then I got a God who's protecting me that Jesus said in that prayer that will meet all my needs and that purpose as we walk it out. So this word good can be diluted when we get anxious or just say, hey, I want to share the good news, just it's great in my life, it gets me joy on a rainy day, but then when I want to share that good news to a coworker, they're hearing good at a different level than you're saying, most likely. So you need to meet with them where they are. You need to meet them where they are. And you do know, by the way, and can we put this scripture up? I think it's Mark... I put a Mark 16, 15. This is part of our purpose. And then Jesus told them to go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Preaching is a very different tools that you may call. 
It may not be standing in front of you right now. It may be just living your life by a good example. The Holy Spirit will use what that word preaches to you. So don't get overwhelmed that you've got to minister in front of folks. In Romans 1.16, Paul continues again to say this powerful scripture. Again, talking about the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. So when we, talk, when we meditate on the good news, it's transforming us to grow into where God is calling us to go. For a new person that does never heard of the good news, it's God at work touching their heart as you're talking or sharing something. It's saving everyone who believes, the Jews first, and also the Gentiles. It's an eternal connection when we share the good news or meditated on in our life of what God's done for us. You may deal with people that are battling addictions, or you may yourself be battling one right now. You're still a Christian if you're battling that, okay? You haven't lost your salvation, but we'll talk about that later. But, but, but be transparent. That's that humanity that is in control right now that we talked about, Okay? But you have good news if you're talking to somebody who's battling addiction or if you are yourself. Can we go to, Paul goes even further. He goes in Romans 6. uh, We'll just read. I know I may have thrown that at you. Let's just go from uh, verse 6 to 11. This is powerful. Absorb this. We know it, but you need to absorb this in your life. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that the sin may lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. Eternal life, connecting the bridge. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. He's glorifying God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ. Sin. Sin is sin. As Christ followers, as we continue to surrender and glorify God in a unity and our will intermingles with God's will in our life, you don't have to be subject to sin. You don't. That's good news for somebody who doesn't know Christ yet and they're dealing with addiction or if you're dealing with addiction right now. That is good news. And in that is the connection of eternal life. Again, eternal things are, are, are physical manifestations, supernatural of God working in your life. These are the eternal things that we're talking about. I'm not trying to come as a fire and brimstone preacher, but I'd like you to feel a little heat today. But the reality is how many friends are not saved that are around you? We're talking about eternity. It awaits all of us. We don't know when it's going to be coming. 
It's not fear. This is in love. But the sobering fact that each day is the first day that you have an opportunity to share your faith, share your love with somebody that needs to know this. Because if they don't, we know this from Sunday school, they may enter eternity of hell. I had a friend that it was a he it was a coworker that he felt, oh, I just need to share, you know, he'd been living a lifestyle that was representing Christ and uh his friend had asked him some questions and and uh he he was talking to me one day, he's like, Okay, I think, you know, next week I'm gonna really invite him to church or share his share my share my faith more in depth with him. Well, the next day was a car accident and his friend was dead. And then when that happens, we go, oh my gosh. (laughs) Eternity awaits. It's sobering. It's sobering. And your good news is sometimes just testimonies of what God is doing for you and has done for you. Not pulling out the King James Version of a huge Bible and starting the Old Testament and end up in Revelations. And by the time you're done in Revelations, I've converted this person. Just share your testimony. What has God done in your life? These are eternal things that we can bring in to our life. Say, Pastor Chris, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not either. You may not be called to talk in front of somebody, like I said earlier, but you do most likely are comfortable having the audience of one at times. Just one person at times. Share your faith. And don't, back to my big King James Bible, don't go guns blazing. Find out where they are through the Holy Spirit. Remember we talked about the humanity last time. If I, if I do some a part of humanity, why God gave us our humanity is so we could relate to one or another. That's a gift. That's not a deficit. So use your humanity. (laughs) You know, I've gone through that before, but Christ changed my life and turned my life around because of his love in my life. Would you like to know more about that? Something, yeah, just share. Know where they're at. Know where your audience is at. We may tiptoe in this further this year. The other thing, too, back to good news, is do not... Do not think that the altar experience is the final of what you do. When you come down to this altar, when you did, you know, I, I met somebody once that says, oh, I've got to run around with a sinner's prayer. Say blah, 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 sinner prayer. Jesus never said in the word, come to the altar, say this prayer, and you're going to heaven. I know, this is challenging, but follow me. It's, that is a start to a commitment to something. So when folks rest that I get, went to church once and had said a sinner's prayer, but I'm living like hell from Monday to Saturday, there's not a lot of biblical support that says that one prayer is continuing that you're going to heaven. I know this is tough. There isn't. It's totally the opposite of what Jesus did in his prayer. He said, I'm leaving my followers, Christ followers, to do my work, my will. Not to go to an altar once and then go home. 
It's important. It's the start. It's the commitment. But it's not everything. It's just a start. So when you do lead people to the Lord, or if you're one right now that just, I came to the altar and I've come to church or whatever, I haven't read my Bible much, read John 17 more. Find your purpose. Your purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. We are not man-pleasers, but we are God-pleasers. If you set your spiritual compass there, you may not struggle with things that you struggle with at times. And there are coming times, sooner than later than we are already, that what the Word of God and authority in our life says contradicts, they think, to what culture says. You've noticed that, right? <laughs> Jesus said in that prayer, they're going to hate you just like they hated me. Be prepared for that. That means you're doing good. It's okay. It's okay. So that's one of the avenues of, getting, of experiencing eternal life by knowing the good news that's in you and what it's done and then sharing it with others. Because when we step out to do that, God will step in. He absolutely will. Beyond your wildest dreams as you begin to share the message that Jesus did while he was on the earth. You absolutely do. The second avenue, which I think is one of the biggest ones, and some of you probably experienced this this morning too, is the presence of God. When you are in the presence of God, you know it. And you are in that eternal life at that point. Still needing oxygen, so breathe when you're in it. But you are experiencing the edge of eternal life that Jesus talked about. You are. It's a place when you get into that time is the last thing you're concerned with. David articulated the, being in the presence of God so well. He was in it frequently, as we know. In Psalms 139, 6 through 12, can you put that up? Such knowledge is too wonderful to me. Again, this is David. Too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans. One more. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day, darkness as the light, and the same to you. So David says, basically, God is omnipresent. So you have no excuse never to be in the presence of God, whether you're in this building or in your daily life. Because he's omnipresent with you. He's with you at all times. And David certainly knew how a man who experienced the presence of God. If the Spirit of God lives inside of you and you have received Christ as your Savior and Lord, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit is in you as well to draw you into the presence of God. True presence, back to the catalyst from earlier, comes when we glorify our Lord and Savior. It's not about me. 
It's not my prayer requests I'm bringing to the throne right now. It's all about Him. Jesus. Jesus. There's also freedom, a symptom when you're in the presence of God, a freedom that comes from that. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, you can put it up, I'm just moving along here. Paul talks about, for the Lord, the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, is freedom. Not freedom to say, ooh, yay, I can do what I want. Look at me. But freedom to give an offering of everything I have to who my focus is, because I can trust the Lord when I surrender all in the presence of God, in the presence of God. In the presence of God, there's a freedom to receive joy, right? This is the Bible scripture. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. You have a freedom to receive that. In the presence of God, there can be an overwhelming, in a good way, of his love for you. That should hopefully make you tear up. That's one of the symptoms. Say, I have nothing to gain and nothing to lose, but only you. We need to worship our king. God gave us to him because Jesus' obedience on the cross. He is our king. And the love that he poured out through the whipping of his back, heading to Calvary, through the nails in his side for you and me. He deserves to be worshipped. And for me to not enter into that presence because I have some cares that are temporary, but they're in my way. There are no fries in my bags. Whew, I don't know. You're not putting value on eternity enough in eternal things. There's a point where it's an exchange. Again, the offering of what you have to who He is. And you begin to behold Him. It may not be a vision physically, but in your spirit to spirit, it becomes very overwhelming to be holding something. When you behold something, I heard this analogy, this illustration once, like when you go to college, and I was a young college guy, and uh, you, you, you find you know, a girl that you're attracted to, and that never happened, Jim, but... Um, <laughs> But I can just imagine that you, you behold the beauty of somebody. Now that college scruffy guy begins to make his image a little better so he can continue beholding that beauty, right? Well, when we're in the presence of God, there's no formality. Because <laughs> my getting me ready for preparation can't. So whatever happens, falling to knees, crying, whatever is that freedom that Paul was talking about in Corinthians. You are beholding. And some of us in this room have gotten to that level. They've gotten to that level. In Ephesians, Paul talked about, come boldly into the presence of God. That doesn't mean with all your plans and all, hey, I'm going to like I'm coming to a courtroom or something. It means boldly I can surrender everything. Because God, Jesus knows who I am and why I'm here. And I can rest and trust in that boldness.
two ways to get in that presence from my personal personal working knowledge. Oh boy, I'm moving it along here. Um, we just did it this morning. Music, worship team. That's how you can get into the presence of God. Especially collectively, our king longs for corporate worship. He longs for us to be engaged and to worship him and glorify him. And in that glory, imagine what happens. There's a spiritual unity that conforms into us, each of us, which is a beautiful aroma of praise that the Bible talks about. The other way of getting in his presence, like I said, he's omnipresent. I've, lately, I've turned my radio off in the car. And just start praying in tongues or thanking him for who he is, driving down the road, hoping there's no traffic. No, that would be focused on me then, right? Okay? Those are two different ways of getting in the presence of God. But I would encourage you, the, <laughs> the slam dunk is to do it in church because you're missing it if you're not. If you're only coming for the message today, as eloquent as it is, you're only getting half of why you should be here. You're only getting half. Only. Jesus was in the presence of God quite a bit because he said, I only do what my Father says I should do. And he's calling us to that same thing. This is a different, this is a different altitude to fly at as Christ followers because you have some in the Christian body that don't believe spiritually in these types of gifts, walking in the Spirit. They don't. Now, I know my mom thinks I've walked on water. I have not walked on water. Nor have I tried it. But as I continue to get closer to Christ and my worship and presence of God, I believe someone can come to a place that could walk on water. Not because how I want to be looked at, but it's to glorify Him. See, that humanity tug of war and him being glorified are always tugging at you. There's too many miracles I've seen, even in my own life and others around me, to say that eternal things are waiting to happen in this realm. But I would encourage you, seek the presence of God daily, daily. In the presence of God, you can also, the fullness of joy, but you can also get words of knowledge or just a factor of prayer. When I was in uh, our school in, in Tulsa, I was probably 12, it was a Christian school out there, and we would start our days uh, praying in tongues and just praying for one another in school, just to start it that way. And there was one time, and it has nothing to do with me, but I want to really emphasize the word of knowledge and things that you can get in the presence of God to pray for things that just come through the Spirit. So we were in math class. I don't like math class. So this was, this, was, this was great, unless they have dollar figures in front. But math class, we're in the middle of math class. And the teacher puts down the, I, there's no exaggeration, puts down the chalk and says, class, we need to begin to pray in tongues. So I didn't like math. So I was like, absolutely, let's do this. <laughs> so in praying in tongues, we all did it for about 10 minutes. And the student next to me just just felt there's, there's something with a bullet. And then I, I, I don't, it's not about me. Then I felt president. And then another person just spoke out. Whew. Another word 
about a scary moment. So we just continued to pray. About two hours later, we learned President Reagan was shot. It didn't just happen to me, because this is why it just re-came to my mind. My dad sent me an Instagram post. Uh, he's dangerous. He knows how to do this now. He sends me a lot of Instagram posts of a video of a preacher. If I said his name, you would know who he is. And just two weeks ago, he was talking about this same ter- period where he was on the piano, and he just stopped and started praying and heard the president. And then he, after this, said it was the exact same time that President Reagan was shot. He said the body of believers across the U.S. were called to pray right at that specific time. And look what happened. Presence of God, though. We were praying early in the morning, setting the stage to be sensitive to His will. Even in math class, we were doing the presence of God. So those are the two avenues through the good news that we can experience more eternal life and also through the presence of God. As I begin to wrap this up, I said that a few times last week. We're getting there. Our king awaits. And there's two ways that we get to meet our king. Our physical death that we talked about going to eternity or Jesus coming back for us. Those are the two ways on February 2nd, 12th, 2023. It brings great hope to know that because if the king awaits to come and see us, it, all, it reassures me that those and loved ones that are with him now, I will see again. It's that eternal bridge. And those temporary things, they can be overwhelming at times. But at the end of the day, that eternity connection of seeing our loved ones again that have accepted Christ and walked their faith out, we get to see them again. It means also Christ coming back. Everybody's going to see him when he does. Those who didn't think he existed and those that did. The atheists will even look up, I bet. They will. He's coming back as a bridegroom. And we as a church are his bride. We know that. The bride is in the room, but he, the bride is not at the altar yet. I know we see the end of times wor- working its play, and we've got to be very careful to not get sucked or vacuumed in to all the conspiracies, the theories, when's it coming, Blah, blah, blah. Jesus doesn't even know when it's coming. If he doesn't know, a backyard preacher with a YouTube channel doesn't know. I don't know. You guys don't know. But I do know what I need to do until then. Arms raised high, worshiping that king until we see him in the sky. We have to see him. And his love did what he did. So that eternal link there keeps me going every day because that's where we're going. Where we're going. Just a review. Life for eternity. Can I take one minute to... I'm not doing it now. Read one real quick scripture then I'm going to conclude here. This is in 1 John. Oh, the other thing too I want to... 
Yeah, also, before he comes back, this is an important thing too. Can you do John 5, 39, then I have one more scripture? This is important. I mean, please, I know I'm rude and crude right here, but if you hug this thing too much, if you hug this thing too much and think this is everything to your Christian walk, this is our authority, this is our map, this is God breathe, but it's not eternal life. Eternal life is a relationship with our Lord and King. And Jesus even said that. He says, you search for scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. I didn't say this, but the scriptures point to me. They point to Jesus. So we need this. But your relationship should be go just as beyond this Bible. This is our authority. This is our map. This is where we need to be. But Jesus is our eternal life. He was so clear in that. So clear on that. Even to talk about eternal life even more. I'm getting there. 1 John. This is powerful too. I won't read the whole thing, but well, just... So in 1 John, John depicts this with what Jesus is saying in uh, chapter 2, verse 24. He says, and this is about eternal life, So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and Father, eternal life. And in this fellowship, we will enjoy eternal life that he promised us. So eternal life is with our constant fellowship and relationship of who he is and how much he loves us. That helps us connect to the eternal things and eventually eternity. So let's review real quickly. We know what eternity is. Lack of place, no time, spiritual realm. We're all going there whether we believe in a God or not. We're going up or down, right? Humanity, you got to be okay with. It's part of your life. But no, it's not everything in your life because God meets you where your limits end. You are designed for a purpose in Jesus' prayer in John 17, not just to be a Christian in a club. Boom, boom, boom. All right? But to be doing his purpose and delivering his message to a lost and dying world. And in that, in stepping out, you will experience eternal things in your life. A peace that passes all understanding, abundance of life. All that comes when that when we're walking through that. The, the catalyst, glorify your God and Jesus. Unity will happen. Unity will set. We need unity. And the avenues are presence of God and knowing the good news in you and that good news can flow through you to others that need to hear the good news. We can have some bad days, but as Jehoshaphat did at the end when I said earlier, my, fa- my face is heading towards you. I worship you, Lord, above all things. Do not lessen your lean into so many temporary things you have in your life. And focus on eternal life. Because when you do, those temporary things begin to fade away more. And God will put you into that abundant life of what he wants to do through you. Did you get anything out of this? You're all going to die. <laughs> Sorry. We have a band. I know I closed three times last time. I only did it once today. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your opportunity to come together as, as your bride, Lord, as the church. Not just FCC, as the church in whole, Father God. That we are family and a church community here for a purpose, Lord. 
Lord, let these last two Sundays soak into our spirit, Lord, and into our soul. Let us not be weary in this message, but be encouraged in this message to go beyond our daily things and temporary things and those that have gone before us that we will see them again. Lord, we just thank you and honor that you're allowing us to serve your purpose as we become more like Christ, Father God. And Lord, give us peace when we need peace. Give us temperance when we need to be temperate. And give us wisdom when we need wisdom. But create the hunger in us, that appetite that we want to hunger more to be in your presence, Father God. Because in that is everything you can communicate to us in the fullness of joy. Let us rest in that when you allow us to rest in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. If there's anybody here, this was nice, but you don't maybe understand everything because you don't maybe have a relationship with Jesus. God sent his son as a free gift to us, I said earlier. And when you open that up, it's the gift of salvation. That if you have received him into your life, you'll have everlasting life. But again, as I said too, it's a journey, it's a commitment, it's a relationship that goes deep where we glorify him and he glorifies us in natural things. Can we all stand? I just want to pray this prayer for if you, this is if this is tugging on your heart, you don't have a relationship with Christ. We were all there at one time. And as a church here, we want to say a confession with you. And in this confession, it will begin to breathe that life into your spirit and activating your spirit, acknowledging that Jesus died for you and was resurrected again. Pray this with me and just mean it as best you can. The congregation is going to sing it and say it as well too. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I surrender my life to you. I recognize what you had done on the cross. Dying for my sins and resurrecting for my life. I repent the way I've been living, Father God, and want to begin a relationship with you. Fill me with your spirit where tomorrow is a new day. Holy Spirit, continue to grow in me for my days ahead as I begin to walk out this eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you did that for the first time, come see me. I just want to pray with you, shake your hand real quick. I know we went a little bit late, but that was all right. We love you, Pastor Ray. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Come on, let's sing the name Jesus. Sing. Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. Son of God and man, you are highly lifted up. And all the world will praise Jesus. Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. Son of God.